I want to tell you something in honesty here, just a couple of minutes before we pray. I want to tell you something very sincerely. I, I was a youth pastor for almost 10 years. I've been involved in youth work for a very long time, okay? And I've uh, met and known a lot of great youth pastors. Um, I've been friends with a lot of great youth pastors. I'm not sure I've ever become a friend of somebody after spending five weeks with them over five years, okay? And I want you to know, um, because you may not, most of the time you haven't had an experience with um, other churches, other youth pastors. I don't want you to react just yet, but I want you to know that um, your youth pastor is an incredible guy. Hold on just a second. Let me tell you why, okay? Um, lots, of, lots of people love students, and lots of people love Bible and love the Lord and love the church and uh, are good with parents. Very, very, very few people have all of those things together in such uh, an amazing heart an amazing attitude. What you don't know, what you don't know yet, what you will find out years and years down the line is you will look back on your time at Tallawood Church. I promise you, you will look back on your time at Tallawood Church and you will say, I am the person I am today first because of Jesus and largely because of a shepherd who knew me, who loved me, who served me, who sacrificially gave up of his time, of his uh, family time, of his energy, of his talents and his gifts. Now, he loves doing all that, but I want you to know, um, this, your youth pastor is rare, rare. Lots of youth pastors can get up and, yeah, and be a cheerleader and rah, 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 and that's all good and fine, but there are very, very few who have a heart and a depth and an experience and a humility um, like your pastor, Jerome Smith. And so um, I say thank you for all the work that you do for these students. Um, you guys have a seat. And he would be the first to tell you it's not about him and he's right, okay? It's not about him and he's right. But um, I want to tell Jerome, I want to tell you, uh, again, I've spent five weeks with a guy, more or less, over five years, and I would jump in front of a bus for him. I'd take a bullet for him because he's my friend. And uh, I feel like we were talking with Eliza and I and some of you guys, we feel like um, the Pollocks are part of the Tallywood family. And I want to thank you for loving my kids, loving my wife. And um, this is uh, it's a very, very special week for us. And so um, I want to thank you for having us here. And um, um, I'm, we're just blessed to be here with you. And so uh, let me pray and we'll end strong in the word, okay? Father, thank you for this great week. Thank you, thank you for Jerome. Thank you for Dwayne. Thank you for um, all of these great, great godly shepherds because uh, we are unruly sheep and we step out and we need a shepherd who loves us and who's sacrificial and who knows our name like the good shepherd and uh, we are grateful. So we pray blessings on Dwayne and his family and his new grandchild coming hopefully very soon and 
Dwayne and his kids and all of these leaders and their families. We're just grateful. We're grateful. I don't know many senior pastors who would come to a youth camp every year just to spend time with their kids. So I thank you for my friend Dwayne and pray blessings on him. And I know very, very few, extremely few youth pastors like Jerome. So I just love him, pray blessings on him, his heart, his marriage, his kids, his family, his ministry. They're just grateful. And as we turn to your word for the last time here at camp, we pray, God, that you'd speak to us clearly. Pray you speak to all of us, speak to me, speak truth, change our hearts. We still want to hear from you. We love you and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All week you've been in the book of Hebrews, and I want to share with you the passage right after the passage that you've been memorizing, okay? And it says this, it'll be up on your screen. It's the first part of Hebrews chapter 12. It starts with therefore, and behind that word therefore is what all that you have done uh, at camp. All the things that we've been talking about this week, all the things that you've been memorizing in your scripture passage, all of these things are behind that word therefore. And so it starts this way. You can just hear it from me. Therefore, since we have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, you see that? Therefore, since... We have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us. What that is referencing is the passage before. By faith, Adam. By faith, Abel. By faith, um, who? Enoch and Noah and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph. All of these great men and women who have gone before us. Do you realize that the God that they worship, the God they built uh, altars to, the God that they sacrificed to, the God that they followed is the same God that we call Father? Same guy, right? It's the same God that we're just singing a song to. Same guy. Same Father. And uh, we are in a family with them, and this passage says, after you've heard all of these stories of people, men and women who have gone before you, this is, let us, let you and I also Lay aside every encumbrance, that means anything that holds us back, and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. I want you to know, I was in track in high school, and like all the sports that I was involved with in high school, I really stunk at it, okay? And so I did high jump, and I did hurdles, because I was a gangly kid. I was about two-thirds legs back then, okay? Um, I'm evened out. Mostly I'm about a half legs now, but I was like two-thirds legs there. I was some sort of weird mutant guy, and it was great. I, was, I weighed about 80 pounds, soaking wet. And um, so they put me in high jump and hurdles, and I was really bad at both of them. But you know what I didn't do? As I didn't get in the blocks in the hurdles, ready to run my race, which I always came in sort of third to last would be my, like, my best, okay? It was just fun. I had fun, so I was doing. I was doing it all I got. Um, I was working hard. I was practicing. I was training. I just had, didn't have the skill, but I loved it. So I just kept going. You know what I didn't do was I was in the blocks is I didn't wear blue jeans and a hoodie, right? Because I, I wouldn't have come in third to last. I would have I come in first uh, of the next race after me, okay? Um, I'd have been that slow because you, when you run a race like that, you don't wear blue jeans and hiking boots and a hoodie. Um, for us, it was about the lightest possible shoes with some little spikes in the bottom so you didn't slip. It was about a sleek tank top shirt with your number on it and your high school name on it. 
and some bike shorts that came down with some running shorts over the top of it so that you were modest, (laughs) didn't embarrass yourself, and aerodynamic, right? That was the deal. And that's what this passage says. He says, in the race of life, don't let things hold you down. Don't weigh down your legs with sin and shackles of slavery that you put on yourself because this is an important This is the most important thing. So it says, let us run with endurance, laying aside every encumbrance and the sin which has entangled us, the race that is set before us. And I want you to know, that's what most of us hear, but this passage isn't done. Most of us in church, especially at the end of camp, we will hear this message. Now, after all of this for camp, it's all up to you. It's all up to you. And so now we've come, we've cut all your burdens off at camp and you've lifted our hearts to Jesus in worship. And now we're going to give you a whole big new burden to carry on the bus on the way home. Right. And it's all up to you. So your heart has been changed. You can't, you've been set free and now it's up to you to make sure you stay free. Okay, so carry the big burden back with you on the bus and get off the bus with it. And most of us, because it's way too big of a burden to carry, we'll dump it off and we'll slide right back into a life that looked a lot like the life that we lived on Saturday and Sunday morning and Friday night of last week. You know why? Because nobody else in your life that you've left, your family, your friends that aren't here, your schoolmates, your neighbors, none of those people were here at camp with us. None of those people had the conversations that we had. None of them memorized the scripture that you memorized. None of them heard from God's word what we heard from God's word. And so we can't expect them to have created a new space for us so that we can just slide right back in and continue going. And so we burden this all on you, most camps, right, and say, all right, now it's up to you to go and change your home and make your space better so that you don't slide back to where you're going. But this passage isn't done. I've got good news for you today, okay? I've got good news for you today. Let's look. Verse 2. How do we set aside the sin and run the race with endurance? That is Mark before us, verse 2. We fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Listen, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You know what that just says? The race is already won. Your race is already won. And your beautiful job, a burden-free job, is as you run to look to Jesus, who's already crossed the finish line for you. He is the author and perfecter of your faith, and he has already died on the cross, already rose from the dead, and is already seated at the right hand of the Father, and he's saying to you, every single one of you, I'm talking to you, can you put your eyes on me for a second? I'm talking to every single one of you, because Jesus is saying to you, I have won for you already. The victory of your race and of your life is already one in me, Jesus says to you. You looking at me? So Jesus says, when you go back from here, the burden that you have is light and easy because of my grace that I pour out from you. Yes, I want you to listen and obey. Remember we talked about that. 
Yes, I want you to listen and obey. Yes, I want you to listen and obey. But the burden is to fix your eyes on me, Jesus, because I've already won. I've already died on the cross. I've already risen from the grave. There is a cross over every one of your life if you've trusted in Jesus. And he's sitting at the right hand of the Father as a victor, as a winner. And he says, when you are found in me, the victory is already yours. The end of the race is already yours. Our, our role, our place is to fix our eyes on Jesus. And he says, make sure that you don't put shackles on your feet with needless sin and entanglement and hindrance. Make sure that you understand the race marked out for me. Make sure you listen and obey. But as you run, put your eyes on me because I've already crossed the finish line and you are already a winner in me. That is the truth. You need to hear that and understand that. As you go back home, as we go back and you enter into what we call normal life, right? You need to understand that the victory is already won in Jesus. The victory is already won in Jesus. Can you say that with me? The victory is already won in Jesus. One more time. The victory is already won in Jesus. That's important for you to understand because it says we have a job. We do have a job. Do not misunderstand me. We do have a role, but it's not as big as most of us understand. Our job is to lay aside every sin to run away from sin and run towards holiness in Jesus. Make sure that we don't put shackles on our own feet that hold us down. And as we run, and this race that we're talking about, we have described as this race of listening and obeying. Listening and obeying. The more we listen, the more we hear, the more we should say yes. And the more we say yes to Jesus, the better we can hear him. And the more we hear him, the more we should say yes. Listen and obey. That's the race. And he says, in that race, it's all about my grace upon you, and I have already won. Fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. That's the race that most of us are trying to win. The race that most of us are thinking that we're running is a race to please God and to earn our way into heaven and to earn God's smile over our life. And I want you to know one thing as you get back on the bus and go home, we head to baptisms and we have that long ride back and you start thinking and talking and trying to rehearse these great stories to your mom and dad or your friends. And you say, yeah, we want to tell you about what happened here and what happened here. And maybe it's about wreck or maybe it's about this or that. You need to know that the race that most of us feel like we should run because of our flesh and because of the enemy and because of this broken world that we live in that Genesis describes is a race that Jesus has already won. And that is to get you back into the presence of God, to earn the smile of God over your life, to earn salvation and forgiveness who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising a shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. In our language, what that just said is Jesus has already run that race. He's the only one that could win it anyway, and he already won, and he won for you. So the victory is already yours in Jesus. You need to understand that. Now we have the joy, the joy, the joy 
of running after him, fixing our eyes on him, and living the abundant eternal life, because eternal life starts now. It's not just about a duration of life. It's about a quality of life, abundant eternal life that starts now as we find ourselves in Jesus, as we find ourselves in Jesus. The life that you start living now, five seconds ago, an hour ago, the life that you start living now is the life that Jesus has already won. You need to know that. You need to find yourself in him. The more you can fix your eyes on Jesus, who's already crossed the finish line for you, the more joyful, the more meaningful, the more intentional your life will become more and more and more. And I promise you, it's the best possible life. It's the best possible life. You're going to love it. And it starts now. Why? Because the future begins now. That's always true because of Jesus. The future begins right now because the time of salvation is right now. The future begins now, and if we keep our eyes on the author and perfecter of our faith, man, it's a good time. It's a good time, all right? Let me pray for you. Father, thank you, thank you, thank you for these men and women. We are grateful for all that you've done in their life, all that you've showed each of us, all the experiences that we had, the hikes, the laughs, the one-on-ones, the quiet times, the devotionals, our tribal shout, our rec time, our free time, all of these things, the laugh that we shared on the blob, on the zip line, we are grateful for every single second. We're grateful for those dozen or so people who stood up a bit a while ago and said, for the first time they placed their faith in you, Jesus. We are grateful for them. We celebrate with the angels today who are throwing a party in heaven because of those lives that have been forgiven and those names that were written in your book. And we are grateful. We worship you. We worship you and thank you for the other lives, the other dozens of lives who've taken steps, one or many steps closer to you, who've repented of things, who've tried to give up things and surrender things so that they could live a life of eyes fixed on you and they could run with endurance and listen and obey and listen and obey. That's the life that we want, so we're grateful. We say we love you. You have been Lord over our lives and Lord over this week. We magnify you and we worship and we celebrate. And we celebrate you, Jesus. Thank you. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.